This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, thank you all for joining. Welcome all our viewers, listeners. Um, tonight we are learning Leilu Nishmat, Rabbi Avram ben Chaim Yehuda and Rabbi Cheskel ben Avraham. So I want to, you know, the past many classes, I, I believe since the war broke out in Israel, we've been speaking very heavily on the war. Um, and we would, uh, tonight we are not... Um, focusing heavily on the current events. Obviously, it's going to be a topic that's related to the current events, and we will be speaking about um, things that are uh, that lessons that you can learn. But we're not going to bring about so much of uh, the the current events. Maybe we'll we'll see how things um, we'll see how things proceed. So, hold on one second, guys. I think so. The People were asking, where were the helicopters? Where were, how come the IDF wasn't there? And they couldn't come because there were bombs flying on the, you know, the entire area. And when everybody thinking, where's the IDF? You know, this person was telling me, he says, you know what was happening? He says, they were nervous. They were so, they, they didn't know what was going on. There are thousands of terrorists that came in. They had, they made checkpoints in different parts of the land of Israel, in different inherits Israel, because they were like, they were at, their, at some point they were like, okay, maybe they're going to, maybe the terror, maybe Hamas is going to take over this amount, this this part of land, so let's save this part of Israel. They had checkpoints throughout the, you know, the, the entire thing, and then people asking, just bomb the entire place. Do you realize, I didn't even know this, that the terrorists, they were hold, they were holding hostages in Israel, in their apartment. These people, they couldn't, like it was, it was such a difficult situation. How do you go and you attack someone that's literally speaking to you in Hebrew and telling you where to go? And, you know, you have the Israeli people, are, are, you know, the Israeli civilians, they have weapons, they're fighting. You have the Hamas terrorists that are speaking Hebrew, they're fighting. The Hamas terrorists are telling you where to go and say, oh, there's a terrorist attack over here in perfect Hebrew. The Israelis are telling you that there's a terrorist attack over here in perfect Hebrew. So what are you supposed to, like, where do you go in this situation? So you send in forces. And then you can't just blow up a house. You can't just go and attack a certain, you know, place because there are, there are Israeli people sitting inside over there and the terrorists are holding hostages in Israeli territory in, in, in you know, in the kibbutzim, in their homes. So how are you supposed to navigate the whole situation? And it took a long time to diffuse. So when everybody's giving all these conspiracy theories, and yes, okay, maybe some of them are correct. Maybe some of them, you know, they do need to answer for certain things. You know, how did they not know about it? They knew about it. They didn't do anything about it. And by by the way, the fact that they knew about him, you know, he was telling me that the, the you know, the, the IDF chief or whatever, someone, someone up there says, you know, Hamas, again, I hope that it's okay that I'm saying this stuff. I really should have asked it. He says, you know, that Hamas was, um, was literally practicing twice a week for years, the same drill, everything that they were doing. They did on October 7th, they practiced it right by the wall, they came around, they did everything for so many, for, for, for many years they were doing it. So the IDF, they saw everything, they saw this, they were like, yeah, okay, whatever, they're doing whatever they're doing. They're continuing their practice, whatever they're doing, they're just like, okay, leave them. They didn't, they didn't even think of it as, as a, as that they're actually gonna pull through with it. You know, they're playing their games, or they're, you know, they're playing make-believe and they're, they're practicing. They never would have thought that they would have actually pushed through with it. So. I mean, there was like, there was like stuff upon stuff, like information, that, you know, when you hear all these conspiracy theories, that it was Israel and it was like complete and utter nonsense. And it's coming from sometimes like complete false shaker that doesn't help anything. Now, you know, one thing definitely Akadosh Baruch Hu showed us that we don't rely on the IDF. As grateful as we are for the IDF, we have to rely on Akadosh Baruch Hu. But to start pointing fingers and saying, oh, it's, that's wrong. 
And that's lesson number one. Lesson number one, it's wrong to point, start pointing fingers. And we point fingers. We point fingers in our service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in service of God. We point fingers in our relationships with our spouse, with our friends, with our families. We point fingers in politics. Who is going to be held responsible? Who is going to be at fault for this, right? Many people, all their focus on, oh, like, who's going to pay for this? Netanyahu is going to resign. He's going to resign. Who is going to take fault, you know, for this? The head of the chief of the idea? Who is going to be the one that's going to take? And we're looking where to point the fingers. Forget about, stop spending time pointing fingers and start pointing in the Tehillim. That's what's going to help more. Stop pointing fingers at other people and start working on a solution. Uh, pointing fingers is not going to help. Saying one parak of Tehillim is worth more than all the comments that you'll put on social media defending Israel. Like, guaranteed, what you need to do, what the best thing for you to do is say a capital Tehillim. So we point fingers and we focus on the wrong things. And we focus on the different aspects of things because we, the, the Satan is getting us right where he wants us. You know, we, 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 we are so focused in one area that we tend to forget all the other areas. And you want a solution? A solution is say a capital to Elam. Stavin. Increase in something. Learn more. Do more. You know, it's something that you can do. That's going to help a lot more than reading through all the news and then going and making sure you write all your comments because yeah, show Israel support from America from Israel support. Do me a favor. Guaranteed. Take it to the bank. A capital to will help a lot more than everything like that. So this is the lesson that we learned from, from Yosef at Sadiq. Why and how things happen and why and who is to blame? No, no, no. We don't know. Egla Rufa, we're not sure. Yosef is telling, don't delve into this. He tells the brothers, don't learn into this halacha. Whatever it is, it meant to, it was meant to be. I was meant to come in this particular way. Don't delve into the halacha, this particular halacha. And that is what we need to focus. Stop pointing fingers on all the conspiracy theories. And who is the one that's going to be at fault for this? And who the, stop, all that is utter nonsense, utter garbage is not going to help one bit. And that's lesson number one. Lesson number one is not just, by the way, for this. It's a lesson for life. And that is pointing fingers doesn't help. Yes, people have to take accountability. Yes, people have to take responsibility. But you don't gain anything from pointing fingers. You have to you have to think about what is the solution, how are we going to go, and, and be able to move forward from this. And that is lesson number one. Let's go to lesson number two. So, the next thing that Rashi says on this passage is Rashi was saying not to take, don't take big steps, don't rush. Right? Al Gasa. Don't take, don't rush to go there. Now the question is why? Why not rush? Right? So when, when Yosef at Tzadik was telling the brothers to go back to their father, he said, Al One of the things that Rashi said was don't speak in halacha. We said what, it's only one particular halacha. Obviously it was a learning in Torah, but one particular halacha, don't focus on that. Number two is don't rush back. Don't, don't take big steps. Why not take big steps? You have your father, who you love, who's been mourning for his son for so many years, and now they find out that he's alive and well, and he's, he's doing well physically, spiritually, in all aspects. Rush back. Why not rush? Why is Joseph saying don't rush back? Explains the Kutzka Rebbe. And they also, the, the Balaturim goes and explains this. He, the Balaturim actually says don't run through people's fields. It's not going to help you to go and create shortcuts. You want to know why Yosef was so insistent that they do not speed? Explains the Katskareva that when they decree in heaven, a decree upon a person, that decree is meant to stay up to a certain time. When it was decreed that Yaakov Avinu would suffer the terrible fate of not knowing what happened to his son, that, hap- that would happen for a exactly an X amount of time. 
When the punishment was decreed, it was not given. It was not like, okay, around this day is when, you know, he'll find out. It's precise to the second. The second is when he was supposed to get out of that, of that punishment. So Yaakov had to wait a specific amount of time before he found out that his son was still alive. And this is the, how it's taught also in, in Pirkei de Rabbi Lazar. That when God decrees suffering upon a person, part of the suffering is when the exact second, millisecond, of when the suffering will begin and when it will end. And it was determined exactly when Yaakov would receive the good news. It would not happen a minute earlier. And this is what Yosef was telling his brothers. Rushing back is not going to help. There is an exact time that Yaakov needs to find this, that Yaakov, our father, needs to find this out. And that's not going to help that you rush back. Meaning that Yosef was implanting them the idea that everything happened for a reason. Yosef was giving them this message, this lesson. No. That I believe in this so strongly that this happened that has nothing to do with you. It has to do with Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that you don't even need to rush back. You go at the normal, healthy, correct pace because that's the exact moment that Yaakov is supposed to find out. You know, when someone has a older parent or a sick relative or a sick friend, and they, you know, set them up in this doctor and they set them up in this hospital, and things don't work out the way that they wanted it to work out people generally start second-guessing themselves. Oh, you want to know it was because, uh, you know, of you know this happened. And because I maybe if I would have sent him to this hospital, and maybe if I would have pushed harder and I would have gotten him into this doctor, then it would have been, it would have been better. This second-guessing is inappropriate. This guilt is inappropriate. Every person has their time. And this is not just by life and death. You know, some people unfortunately get divorced. And some people get divorced, like, within three weeks. And people start second-guessing and be like, wait a minute, if only I have done better research, if only I've asked the right questions. No, that, does, that doesn't mean that God decreed that this should happen. And you were either blinded or you asked the right questions and it didn't happen. You know, it could be a broken engagement, it could be a divorce, it could be anything. And it could be like, oh, now I'm going to learn my lesson. Now I'm going to ask, you know, of course you should learn everything from your, from, from anything that happens to you. But second guessing and blaming for what happened, no. HaGadosh Baruch Hu created everything exactly the way that it's supposed to be. And some people are even questioning themselves when they're actually married. Oh, maybe I should have married the other person that I dated. Maybe if only I would have searched harder and I would have been able to find someone better. No, no, no. That's second guessing and that's wrong. If HaGadosh Baruch Hu put you in this situation, you need to be this in this situation. Oh, you could start saying, well, it's my fault. Maybe I did this. Maybe I did this. That is incorrect. And this is the lesson that we learned from Yosef at Tzadik. You were placed in the situation in exactly the way that you were meant to be. You're married to the person exactly who you need to be married to. You have the children exactly of the children that you need to have. You're in your job that you may hate or love because this is exactly where you need to be. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to improve your situation. But just know where you are right now in this particular time in your life, you are here because you need to be here. And second guessing is not going to help anything. And this is the lesson number two that we learned from Yosef at Tzadik. Second guessing our situation. Second guessing whatever happened in Eretz Israel. Second guessing all of that is wrong and it's not helpful and it's actually detrimental. Let's go on to the next, next lesson. When Yosef says, famous, famous puzzle, one of the most famous psukim, is in Bereshit chapter 45, verse 3. 
that tells us that when Yosef introduces himself to his brothers, that he is Yosef. What did he say? Ani Yosef haod avichai. I am Yosef. Is my father still alive? Now, the question that many mafarshim, many commentators ask: What's the rebuke? What is the like? There's a, it's like a big rebuke that everybody, after 120, they're going to have this rebuke that Yosef was, but told his brothers, I am Yosef. Is my father still alive? So I would like to share with you something from Rabbi Leo Diskin, and he quotes this from the Ramban. Uh, the Ramban in Parshas Vayeshev says that, you know, when you look at this story, it really doesn't make sense. Like, there's so many questions that pop out. When you think about it, right, Yaakov, there's like, everybody made a mistake over here. Like, Yaakov, he made a mistake by favoring Yosef. Yosef made a mistake by, uh, you know, tr- telling, saying that his brothers, uh, you know, transgressed and Avram and Achai and Gilarais. The brothers made a mistake that Yosef was out to kill, kill them. Like, Everybody was way off over here. And the, you're dealing with G'daylim, right? You're dealing with the greatest of the great. What's going on over here that everybody is making a mistake over here? That what, What's going on? Explains the Ramban. The Ramban says, Ki emes. That what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to happen, the decree, that's true and that's going to happen. <coughs> that HaKaritsus Sheker and all the efforts that everybody made to whatever to to like it's not it's shaker it's false it's not going to account for anything whatever god wants to happen that's what the ramban ends is whatever wants it's going to happen meaning that there was a decree and then people could try to manipulate or change that decree but at the end of the day Whatever God wanted, that's what's going to happen. Yaakov told Yosef, go find your brothers. When you, you ever think about this question, how is he supposed to find his brothers? They're out in the world grazing their sheep. Like, we're, how is he, there was no like, he didn't, couldn't like text his brothers, like, send me a location on WhatsApp. Like, send me, you know, like, how am I, how am I gonna, how is he supposed to find them? So he just starts going where he thinks they may be. The, and he couldn't find them. The simplest solution would have been go home, be like, I checked, I couldn't find them. Told his father, I, I couldn't find them. The story would have ended there. There was no sale of, there was no, like it, that's it. Yosef would have just been another shaved like everybody else. But what happened was, is that Yosef encountered a person. This person was not a person. We know that a person was a malach, an angel. And the angel goes over to Yosef and says, you know, what you doing? What you looking for? And he says, I'm looking for my brothers. So he says, oh, your brother's right over here. He guides the, the question is why? Why did God send them to his brother? Like, there was so much bad that's going to come. They're going to go, you know, sell him. They're going to go kill him. They're going to go throw him into the prison. He was going to go to the worst place. Why did God allow this? And the answer is, is because like this Baruch made a decree. And you could try to manipulate it. You could try, but it's going to happen. Like, Akedush Baruch Hu sent the angel. Akedush Baruch Hu orchestrated that this is what is supposed to happen. Yosef is supposed to go and find this angel. He's going to find the brothers. By hook or by crook, because this is the sequence of events that need to happen. And, <coughs> when Yosef says the words, Ani Yosef, you want to know what the, the rebuke was? Yosef is telling brothers, you tried to sell me as a slave. But now, Ani Yosef, I'm the most, the most powerful man in the world. What happened to your plans? 
What happened to all your efforts that I deserve death and I deserve to be sold? And I de- It was all for nothing because this was nothing to do with you. It was all orchestrated by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And this is the rebuke is the, that we're going to get after 120. After 120, at, we're going to get up to Shemayim. I know what's going to happen. We, you know, we all, we all say the right things, right? We know what to say. You know, like Rosh Hashanah, you're decreed. How much money are you going to make? Who are you going to marry? How many children are you going to have? Like everything is decreed on Rosh Hashanah. But what happens if something comes across your way that's not 100% legal? Yeah, let's say you can make another 50 grand, you know, like, but it's not 100% legal. So uh, I got to lose this opportunity. It's a hundred, you know, we start making answers, you know, for that. But the, the question is, do you believe that everything was decreed on Rosh Hashanah or not? Because if you do, then you're like, I'm never even going to touch something that is questionable. I'm not going to, you know, like, there are so many things that happen in our life that we question that if we really believed that everything is decreed on Rosh Hashanah, our entire life would be different. Do you realize that if, if someone affects you, if someone hurts you, and you realize, okay, wait a minute, this was decreed on Rosh Hashanah, so you're not going to blame the other person. Meaning that this idea can change your life. If you really believed that everything is decreed on Rosh Hashanah, you will never get angry. It's easier said than done, but you will never get upset. Because it was decreed by Rosh Hashanah, it has nothing to do with this person, it has nothing to do with that, it's all from from God. If you made money, you lost money, you married somebody, you didn't marry somebody, you got on a day, you got divorced, you got a broken engagement, whatever it was, if you really believe that everything is decreed in Rosh Hashanah, it makes everything so different. So we all say it, yeah, of course, everything, it's easy, easy, easy thing to say. Everything, you know, was decreed on, you know, on Rosh Hashanah. But the question that you need to ask, and this is question number, this is lesson number three, is do you believe in what you say? We all say it. Do you believe in it? That's the question. We dive in, we have a muna, we have bitachan, we do, we do all the right things, right? We, we do everything right. We're so great people. But do we really believe in, ev- in everything that we do? Do we really have that? That's the lesson that Yosef, Yosef believed this to his core. This has nothing to do with you. He's telling his brothers. It was all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It had literally nothing to do with you. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said. You don't have to rush back. You don't have to do that. And this is what Yosef is saying to them. Is, I am Yosef. You know what he's saying? I am Yosef. It had nothing to do. You thought I was guilty. God had different plans. It had nothing to do. And this is lesson number three. Lesson number three is, do you believe in what you say? And how do we know, by the way, how do we really know that Yosef really believed in this? Yosef really, he really felt this. You know what happened when Yosef was, he was, you know, I'm using air quotes, captured by his brothers. He, he begged them. He pleaded with them. He says, please have mercy on me. Don't, don't throw me to the pit. Don't sell me. And he, he really tried to get out of it. But what happened once he was sold? Once he was transferred to the, you know, to the merchants? Not a word, not a peep, not nothing. He didn't complain one iota. He didn't go and tell, start telling the merchants, hey, listen, I have a very wealthy father, very successful father, Yaakov Vinu. If you bring me back to them, he'll pay you 10 times the amount. He didn't try to get, the second that he was sold, he was quiet. And he was calm and he was happy. And how do we know that he was happy? We know because Yosef was able to realize what the merchants that he was sold to were, sell, was, were selling. We know back then the Arab merchants, they were selling, you know, petrol, things that really smell. But this particular merchant that he was sold to was selling spices. 
don't know if you've ever been to the shuk. If you pass by in Eretz Yisrael, if you pass by the part where they smell, where they sell the, you know, different, uh, uh, you know, spices, oh, it smells like heaven. You know, it's unbelievable. You know, like Yosef was captured. He was sold to the enemy and he was sitting in the wagon and he, instead of like bemoaning his faith, he was like, oh, wait a minute. He was so calm that he was able to smell of what they were. He was able to look at the scenery. He was like, oh, yeah, it's a nice day. He was come. If somebody is anxious, if somebody's nervous, they're not going to notice what happens. They're in a panic mode. When, ha- what happens when you have a panic attack? You, 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 you don't see the peripheral. You just, you have a very tunnel, you have tunnel vision. You have narrow vision. You can't see anything else. When you're anxious, when you're depressed, you don't see the full picture. You just see one part. You Yosef, the proof, the proof that Yosef accepted this 100%, he believed in what he said, is that the second that he was sold, he was able to notice, he was able to notice where he was, who he was sold to as a slave. He's like, oh, this smells great, this smells nice. He was relaxed, he was calm, he was composed, and he was able to, you know, take in the scenery. He was able to do all these things because he was relaxed, because he was at peace of what, what what happened. So this is lesson number four. And lesson number four we learned from from Yosef is really part of lesson number three. Because lesson number three is, do you believe in what you say? And you want to know how do you really know if you believe in what you say? Because if you believe in what you say, you act differently. You act differently. So the question is, did he, if you're acting differently, if something happens and you're acting differently than the way that you, you know, maybe would have acted a different year or maybe somebody else would, then that means that you believe in what you say. If you really believe that everything happens in Rosh Hashanah, then you'll act differently throughout the entire year. Yosef acted differently. And this is lesson number four. If you really believe in what you've been saying and what you've been preaching and what you've been talking about and what you've been thinking about and what you've been listening about since you're a little kid or whenever you became a Baal Tshuva, then you can say, okay, if I believe in it, I'm acting differently. I'm changing the way that I'm acting. And this is what Yosef believed in his darkest times. He believed that everything is from Hashem. And so do we in our darkest time. We need to learn from Yosef. And maybe this is why we get, and this is the reason why I felt it was appropriate to connect this to, to what happened October 7th. You want to know how you could really believe and how you could act differently? When you know what, what happened on Shemini Atzeres, what happened on Simcha Sar, what happened on October 7th, you want to know like how you're supposed to relate to that? If you really believe that everything was decreed for, on Rosh Hashanah, if you believe like Yosef believed, then you act differently. You focus differently. You, your, your reactions are very, very different. And to each their own. Each person can take this lesson differently and how they're supposed to react and how they have been reacting. You know, if it's to hell him, then it's good. If it's, you know, posting on social media, then it's bad. And by the way, this has not, this, this is not a, 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 a lesson just for October 7th. This is a lesson for our life. Is there a lesson for our relationships? Is there a lesson for how we, we, you know, react to certain things, how we treat uh, other people, how we relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how we listen to the Torah mitzvahs. This is a lesson for everything because if we believe in something, we're supposed to act a certain way. And this is when Yosef Atzadik revealed his identity to his brothers and they couldn't answer. But, you know, the, the, Yosef told them, I am Yosef. They couldn't respond to him. They couldn't respond to him explains Rav Palm, which is what do you mean that they couldn't, you know, like, like what's the lesson that we take and we learn from this? We tend to judge so many people, 
so many people, we judge rabbis, we judge speakers, we judge friends, we judge family, we judge neighbors, we, 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 judging galore, right? We may not think that we're judging them, but subconsciously we're constantly, constantly judging. Explains Rav Palm. You know, the brothers judge Yosef. They judge Yosef that he was a wicked person and he wanted to harm all the brothers and he hated all the brothers. But all of a sudden they realize, wait a minute, if Yosef HaTzadik was sitting in front of us, he was, he's righteous. That means that we were wrong all those years. The brothers all of a sudden realized that they blew it. You know what the Musser, you know what the biggest thing that comes up after 120, you get up over there and just the measure says, oh, just like the, the Yosef told his brothers, Ani Yosef, Vichai, and the brothers didn't have anything to answer. We're going to come up to heaven and God says, I am God and we're not going to be able to answer. You want to know, explains Rav Pam, you want to hear a lesson out of this? This is because we're always evaluating people. We're always judging people and we say, this person is not good and this person is a nothing. And this person Person is a, and with, we get up to the world of truth. We see this person is a righteous person, and this person is a righteous person, and we'll be like, "Wait a minute!" So that means we judge this person completely wrong, and that is the greatest, the, the greatest muster that when we come up to after 120, be like, we did it all wrong. We were so wrong about so many people, and this is lesson number five. Lesson number five is we have to be careful how we evaluate people. You know, if you're evaluating somebody negatively. And you're wrong. Oh, you are in trouble. Oh, you're going to be in trouble. It's going to be bad. If you have, and by the way, it also works in the pa- in the positive. And I can tell you, like, you know, from, from a speaker perspective, I get requests all the time, you know, Baruch Hashem, you know, not complaining that, you know, can you speak for this? You know, can you give, uh, can you make a pre-recording for this? Can you write for this? Can you do that? And a particular project. And I try, I really try to help as much as I can, anything that I'm able to do. And when people, when I get requests, I really do, do try to, to follow through that. Not always do I get to, but I really do try to. But many times, and a majority of times, you know, people start a project and they don't pull through with it. I'll give you an example. I could create a whole speech and end up the whole thing just falls apart. I could create a whole thing and, you know, whatever it is, I spend a lot of time helping, whatever it is, and it just falls down. But other times, like, you know, I help whatever it is that I, and it blows up and it, you know, becomes, you know, huge. And you never, because like, and then what happens is, is that now when it comes to like where I am right now, People come to me and be like, can you help me? I'll be like, okay, wait a minute. Like, you know, like, what? you know, I'm going to start like, I, I start judging. I'll be like, okay, what's your personality? Is it your type that you're going to, you know, follow through or you're not going to follow through? You're going to do it. You're not going to, you know, like, you're going to pull through. Is going to be a waste of my time. It's not going to be a waste of my time. And really, I've learned this lesson many times that it's wrong because times where I thought that people would fail succeeded tremendously. And times where I was like, okay, this is a good idea. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I really believe in this idea, and it blows up. And I give you an example, like daily giving is an example. Daily giving, when it came out, when you know, like it's you know, my cousin Shlomo Wrestler is is very involved in it, and uh, you know, one of the other founders is uh, Dr. Jonathan Donath, who became very close to over the years. Like when this came out, I wasn't sure how it was going to blow up, but I, I thought the idea was a phenomenal idea. Like it's an amazing idea. So like, okay, like you know, like I want to be a part of it. Like whether it goes or not. I didn't know. It blew up and it's blowing up. When I joined, there was less than $300 a day being given to Tzedakah. That means that you had less than 100 people, 300 people, I'm sorry, giving a dollar a day. Small, small little thing that started. Now you have over $18,000 a day giving to so many different Tzedakahs. 18,000, you know how many millions of dollars that adds up to? Like so much, like you get part of something. 
you know, like when, when I remember when I first found like Torah anytime, like I was like, this is amazing. This is like back in the original, original website. And now like I found, I thought it was great. You no, know, I reached out to them. I'm like, I want to be a part of it. I want to be helped. This is before I became a speaker, you know, on, on, you know, on Torah anytime. I'm like, I want to be involved in it because I saw the potential. Did I know what it was going to become? Absolutely not. Like I did, you know, like it could have just stayed where it was. It became, you know, the way the Torah time started, it was, was they had to go and try to find people. Do you mind? Can we record you so we could put you online? And people were like, nah, not interested. No, or maybe, yeah, maybe not. Like people are like, I don't know about it. They have some random person going, coming here, recording the, you know, the, the Torah classes, posting online. What's going to happen with them? And many people were like, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe no. Now, you, they, Torah Anytime has over a thousand people that are waiting to get onto Torah Anytime. Like, it blew up. Like, you have all these organizations that you don't know how they're going to start. And we evaluate. We, you know, like, when someone calls you up and says, okay, I need help with this and this and that. And you're like, okay, you, you know, like, Again, majority of the organizations, or the majority of the class, they don't blow up. But every so often you have something that blows up and you definitely want to be a part of that. So the lesson that I learned, you know, and this is through, you know, my, you know, past, I give you another, I, the, the indisputable truth, another book that was came out by amazing people, you know, like, like a proof that, that, when when he first reached out to me, I, it's anonymous the the author, so I'm not going to say you know his name. But when he first reached out to me after I gave the whole divinity series, proving God, you know, like of course I was helping whatever it is that I could help, but I never thought it was going to blow up to be what it what it came in Baruch Hashem that it did. So the lesson that I could this Baruch was teaching me again and again is you don't you can't judge people. You don't know what's going to be successful and what's not going to be successful. This is in the positive, of course, in the negative it's completely different. But just in the positive, you never know what's going to be so great. And that's why you have to take every opportunity that comes to you. You have to really capitalize on it because you never know what's going to happen. You never know how it's going to gonna you know how it's going to blow up and what's going to blow up. And this, this is such a powerful lesson that we come up after 120 and the Kaddish Baruch Hu says, I, I send you so many opportunities. I send you opportunities to make money. I send you opportunities to grow spiritually. And you didn't take it. You want to know why? Because he said, ah, no, it's another one. It's another, you know, not a sky, another this. Nothing's going to happen for me. We have to learn how to capitalize on our time and our opportunities and things that come up across us. And that's in the positive. We have to be so careful. How we go and we judge other people in the negative. You know, you judge somebody in the negative and say, oh, this, and I can tell you, people say that about me. You know how many people that, you know, I've spoken to, they told me, they even told me this. They're like, okay, when we, when I first started listening to you, I thought, ah, you guy, a young guy, don't you know what you're saying? Uh, you know, like you scream a lot. You, you know, like, okay, if I say something, like they weren't so like, but then after a while they started listening and they were like, okay, you know, it's actually really interesting. Let me, you know, continue. And some of them became very close. I became very close to them throughout the entire, the, the years because Initially, you see something, you judge. You judge subconsciously. And we never know on how far it could fall and how far we could be wrong. And that is the judgment after 120. After 120, Akadish Baruch was going to say, wait a minute, you judged all these people just like the brothers judge Yosef. And look what happened. It's, you were wrong. You were so wrong and you missed out on so many opportunities in life because of that. So these are the five lessons. These are the five lessons I want to take away. So let me do a quick recap and then we'll open up the questions. So we started off with saying, why is it that specifically on Shmini Atzeres? Why, why out of all the days, the days that were so connected, the day that were, lo- that there's such a connection of love between a Kaddish Baruch and the Jewish people. And the answer that I want to give is that Kaddish Baruch was showing us that bad times are coming. You know, and hopefully, Mertz Shem, this is all behind us. But bad times are coming. But just know that I'm doing this out of love. 
And why is it so important to know that it came out of love? Because we're able to respond to that. This is the worst since the Holocaust. We're able to respond to that appropriately by realizing that it comes from a place of love. So what's coming from a place of love? We realize that, wait a minute, this is coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is the Muna aspect of realizing this is from God. This is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We know that the number, lesson number one is it doesn't pay, doesn't pay to point fingers. Point fingers doesn't help anything. You want to know what you need to do? You need to turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what you need to do. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two is second guessing. Stop second guessing. If you are in your situation where you are, this is a second guessing about what, what happened, you know, October 7th. Who's a fault and this and to each other or their own, but really more importantly is in your own life. How much are you second guessing? Who I married, who I broke off the engagement, who I got divorced, who, there's so many things that are coming up and you, you have to realize that Akadish Baruch set you up in this particular situation. Lesson number three is we said regarding Yosef Atzadik. Yosef Atzadik, you have to believe in what you say. We all say, we all say we believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We believe that everything happened in Rosh Hashanah. We believe in that. And just like, you, you know how you could tell the difference? That's lesson number four. And the lesson number four, if you really believe in what you say, you act differently. And that's what Yosef represented. Yosef, even when the time came that his brothers came and they realized that, you know, like, Yosef could have really just, like, milked it down. He could have been like, look, you see, I'm right and you are wrong. Oh, Yosef didn't say any of that. He acted differently because this is what he believed. He never had a bad feeling against the brothers. So this is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if this is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's no anger. There's only love. There's, no, there's nothing to do with you. It's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the final lesson we learned from from Yosef Atadik is you have to be careful how you evaluate people. Because if you're negative and you're off, ooh, you're going to be in trouble. You have to be very careful. It is bad news. And we're judging people all the time. And in the positive, we lose so many opportunities when we judge incorrectly. We have to capitalize on whatever opportunity we have. And you want to know how you're supposed to do all this? If you realize that things that are happening in your life, it's coming out of love, you have that ability to be able to overcome it. If you feel that it's coming out of anger, that God is angry at you, and he wants to punish you, and he just wants to get you, then you'll never be able to take these lessons. And that's why I feel it's so important that it came specifically on Shemini Atzeres. Again, my interpretation, you don't have to agree with me. But it happened specifically on Shemini Atzeres to know that because Baruch says, I want you to learn. Yes, you need to do tshuva. Yes, you need to fix it up, but know that it's happening out of love and not just what's happening in every single thing that is happening in your life that is bad realize that it's coming out of love and once you know that it's coming out of love then you're going to be able to go and there's no defense wall that's coming out of there like, wait a minute God loves me God has given me a smack to go and try to put me in the right direction so what is it that I need to do what is it that I need to fix what is it that I need to improve and then you're not going to be pointing fingers you're not going to be second guessing you're going to believe in what you say and if you believe in what you say your actions are going to be different and if you act differently then your whole essence is going to be different. And if you act differently and you believe what you say, the way that you would judge people will be completely uh, different. Let us open up to uh, questions. We have quite a few questions over here. Okay. So, all right, first question over here. Um, I'm not sure if this is a question. Oh, not too many questions. Okay. Uh, the helicopters couldn't go on top. I, apparently not. They couldn't go because of all the uh, uh, the missiles that were flying. For whatever reasons, they couldn't uh, they couldn't go. Again, this is the information that I received. Um, I, you know, I found it fascinating because it was so much information. There's so much stuff going around. And I, you know, one of the things I asked him, like, the, why isn't the IDF like saying, you know, explaining? So there's so much that they could explain. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not the representative. I'm not the, you know, whatever it is. It is what it is. But anyways, okay, next question. I think that if someone is in a certain situation that seems impossible, I think that we learn from our 
imahot. That prayer has a power to change someone's situation or destination. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Another important lesson is that prayer is the way to go. That when you're in a situation, daven is the first step they need to do. Next question. If we're saying that we need we needed this wake-up call, and this was all decreed on us. Does that mean that we're really that bad, that we deserve this? And the fact that this hasn't gotten better yet, it really feels like nothing we do is good enough. And no matter how much good we do, there is so much bad happening, which is why we're still in Gullus. Do we even have a chance to balance out the bad with our good deeds? So that's an excellent, excellent, excellent question. A loaded question. So... Does that, first of all, does that mean that we were bad? So, uh, 100%. This is not coming from a positive perspective. This is a, coming from a point that we need to do tshuva, right? Whenever you get, you, you, you know, if somebody comes and says, no, God really loves us, and that's why, you know, 1300 people, you know, died, like, and so many, no, it, it is, yeah, it, it's true that we're, we're, we're in a deficit that we need to go and in, improve ourselves in, uh, in a spiritual aspect. And if God sent this to us, we unfortunately deserved it because that's why Agadish Baruch did it. But if you want to, you know, like many people see the scenario as it's so bad and, um, you know, like, and I give you an example, you know, like so bad and it doesn't seem like we're getting out. And in many, many situations, it really looks bad. But in essence, you know, if you look at it a little bit deeper, it's really, it's actually really good. And, and, I'll, and I'll explain, I'll give you an example. Um, so we all know that well, whoever has been involved in the news, uh, I thought I wouldn't speak so much about it, but okay. So we know that, uh, you know, there was a few colleges, universities that, um, were really called out for anti-Semitism. And one of them was Harvard and it's still in the, uh, in the news, Harvard. So the, you know, the Harvard president, um, was, was not removed, did not resign and it's still, it's still in power. And, uh, you know, like people think, you know, like what would be right? There was anti-Semitism, MIT and Penn and in, in Harvard and so so many other colleges will be right. What we would want, what would be a victory is if we go and if we see that they resign and then we win and then we could show that anti-Semitism. In my mind, again, this is, my, this is the way that I see it. I see it. No, it's just the opposite. The longer that these, that, that let's say Harvard keeps their president in there, I think the more that it's a win for us. People think, okay, wait a minute. No, she's pro anti-Semitism. She's a terrible person, blah, 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 so many other things. But you know what happens? That, you know, if if the president resigns, so the situation is over. And we feel like we dealt with it appropriately. But did it really change anything? No. There was one person that got removed from their job, so the leadership might change a little bit. And then, you know, so the anti-Semitism might be stronger, be held again. But it didn't really change anything. (laughs) You know what's happening now in Harvard? Harvard, I believe the numbers is, is that their, uh, um, the applications went down 17%. People are no longer interested in going to Harvard as they used to be going to Harvard is losing. They're losing big time. And the more that they stretch this, the more that they're going to lose. Meaning the more, so what it looks for mo- many people is like, okay, Harvard, you know, like, like we're losing this because like it's an anti-Semitism. The president is still in power uh, in president of Harvard. Like it seems like we're losing. And I think just the opposite. The longer that she stays in power, the longer that this gets stretched out, the more, the more that, 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 that the Jewish people, the anti, you know, the anti-Semitism is going to win in the positive aspect that is. 
because this stretches out. People realize what's going on. It stays in the news. There's like so many aspects of it that is actually very, very beneficial. It becomes a, something that's real, meaning that in other universities, I'm not saying that she shouldn't resign and, you know, whatever. That's irrelevant to what I'm saying right now. But the fact that she's still in power keeps it still in, in discussion. And the fact that it's still in discussion is actually helping a lot more than if she would have resigned. So what they're thinking is helping their cause. It's actually helping our cause. But that's just the point. When it looks like we're losing, many times we're actually winning. You know what the IDF uncovered in this war? Yes, unfortunately, at the cost of many, many lives. But the IDF uncovered, they're dismantling the completely, you know what, Hamas, the billions of dollars that they put into the tunnels, the billions of dollars that they put into terror, they're completely dismantling it. So yes, it's terrible and we should have, we would have never would have wanted this to happen. To look like it's we're continue losing the way that I see it, I see it as a win. You know, after October seventh, obviously that was a complete loss. But you know, and obviously all the soldiers that lose their lives. But there's so much win that's going on. There's so much success that's happening over here that unfortunately the media presents it in a way that it looks like we're only losing and only bad things are happening. But there's tremendous amount of good, uh, you know, that is happening. The unity in Israel is super strong. Like it's still, it still is so strong. Like the, the, the place that Israel is physically and spiritually hasn't been this way in who knows how many years, if ever. So when you look at it from one, one angle, it looks like it's bad, 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 bad. It looks like anti-Semitism spreading out the entire world. And yes, you know, London, England, the terrible what's going on over there. They, they made a poll over there and they found out that half the people, the Jewish people in England were considering leaving because that's how bad anti-Semitism is over there. But, and, and it's bad and it looks really bad and it really is really bad. When you look at the big picture, Though, you know, it's pushing everybody to Israel. There's so many layers. When we look at something, there's so many layers that we have to uncover to really see what is bad and what is good as we have no idea. And this is in essence exactly what Yosef Atzadik was telling Yaakov Avinu. He was telling Yaakov Avinu, we don't know. We see what's happening and it looks bad, but really in essence, it's so good, we don't know. We're only going to see after 120, after, you know, Yaakov Avinu says, I am God. I just like Yosef says, I need Yosef. Only then we'll be able to see the Good and and what's the proof of this? That the Gemara tells us that everything this Baruch does is for the best. Everything, even this, yeah, as difficult it is, it 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 somehow it's for the best. What do we need to do? We need to focus on our on our deeds. And I think, you know, in my humble opinion, I really think that Klal Yisrael is doing an amazing job, and I think we should continue doing that. Okay. Um. Next question. Last two questions, and we'll end up with a capital telling, which I forgot to uh, say. How do we bring this from a logical standpoint to an emotional standpoint? That's a that's a tough question because that's something that each one has to. So, so the question is as follows. So, logically, we could say, okay, we believe everything's from God, and logically, we say, but how do we turn that into emotion? How do we turn that into like into actual emotion? I think the simplest way is to start small. It's very hard to say like when, you know, something big bad happens to say this is from God. But when you start small and you stub your toe and you do this, you know, it becomes a little bit easier and you start, you know, like ingraining it in your, in your conscience. You start ingraining it in who you are that this too is, uh, is Father Best. And then it builds up into the, in, into the larger. So then you're taking, you basically, how do you switch something from the logical standpoint to the emotional standpoint? You start small and then you go work big. Next question. Sometimes it feels that we truly believe this in our minds, but our bodies can tense up and feel anxious. So apparently we're either not truly believing this or maybe it's coming from our subconscious. How does 
how we dig deep down and really work on ourselves physically to act appropriately and feel calm. So uh, this is a similar question and a little bit of a different angle. And I, I think the, the, the uh, this is a question on how to work on Amuna. So so the way that you work on Amuna is, is you work on the positive. When you see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the positive and everything, the more that you implement this in your life, then you can build it up for the more tragic, more serious things. So it's normal to be anxious. It's more, it's normal to have these emotions. The, way to work on yourself is to start on other aspects in your life. So you're driving on the road. You realize that. Akadosh Baruch Hu set everything up. The person in front of you, the person behind you. The be- Like when you realize that everything is God, when you look at a leaf falling and you realize that is Akadosh Baruch Hu, exactly where the leaf is going to fall. So you're implementing that in your mind. So you start small in the same, an- the same answer as the previous one and you work bigger. Next, I was wondering why so many people, so many young people died also the young soldiers, what's the message that Hashem is telling us and what we should, uh, what we should do about it? I, it, it? It's a great question. If you want to know what I feel, that message for that is like this broccoli is showing us life is short. Life is short, and we have to make the best of it. We really have to make the, uh, you know, you know, the, the the best of the the situation that we have and the life that we have, and we can't take anything for granted. And the fact that we're still around over here, we have to be thankful to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. We have to say thank you, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that you put me in this earth for X amount of years, or however, however old you are. Okay, that was the last uh, Tehillim. We'll say um, uh, one chapter of uh, Tehillim, and then we will uh, will end off. Again, this is something that everybody should say. We're saying for. All the soldiers in Israel and and all the people that are in captivity and anybody that needs a Yeshua. We'll take up the Kaflamid. It's that chapter one hundred and thirty, and you can say along. <coughs> you should say along. Shemalais mimam akim karasich adenai adenai shema bekayli tiena aznecha kashu vaisakol tachanunai im avaynais tish maria adenai mi amayd ki imchas lechaleman tivare. Thank you all for joining. And Emir Tzashem, we should see Mashiach b'mehera b'amenu, and this war should end. And we should internalize all the lessons that we need to learn quickly, easily, and without any difficult. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.